0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to that Chelsea Podcast. It's a frustrating, frustrating evening. We're recording about 20, 30 minutes after the full-time whistle has just blown at Stamford Bridge. I'm joined by Rob Prattley from the Chelsea Social. Rob, it's a dumb question. How are we feeling on this Saturday evening?
1: Frustrated and all You know, the lot was predictable.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, indeed. That was really, really frustrating. As I'll do guests again to give themselves a plug. So Rob, tell people where they can find you and all your
1: work. So you can find me at at RJP Journalism. You can find the Chelsea Social at, at the Chelsea Social. And uh, recently, if you've if interested in women's football, then please follow at, at Ball. I've started writing for them recently and I'm uh, doing their blog. So, yeah, look forward to that content coming out soon.
0: Nice one. Links will be in the description below. Right, Rob, before we get into the game against Everton, there was the Champions League draw that took place on Friday, Chelsea into the last eight. Um, at this stage of the competition, you're going to get pretty tough draws. Realistically, whatever happens, there's no real easy draw in there. But it was Real Madrid for the third year running with the option of you know Bayern Munich or Manchester City in the semifinals. Should we progress? Obviously, the other side of the bracket leaves Napoli, Milan, Inter and Benfica. So, you know, clearly, definitely we are in a potentially certainly I'm looking in the, the harder side of the draw. But Rob, just what are your thoughts on getting Real Madrid yet again?
1: In all honesty, I I sort of said this while I tweeted it at the time, you know, you're going to play a good side. Everyone is here on merit. You're no longer at the point in the Champions League where teams are just qualifying because, you know, they get through or they get a bit lucky. Um, You know, it's obviously, it's a challenge, definitely, but we can go to the fact that we have got a good record against Madrid. Um, I think, you know, the players in general play better in big games. I think they're more focused on big games. I think it's a massive mentality issue at the moment. At the club, the fact that they will be able to, you know, one hundred percent, I can guarantee we'll get a performance against Madrid, and I can't guarantee that in other matches, and that's you know really really frustrating.
0: Yeah, no, indeed, indeed, as said, Chelsea have only lost one of their seven games against Real Madrid in European competition, and they have the lowest win percent, lowest percentage of losses against Real Madrid, fourteen percent compared to any other side to have played them more than five times in. Europe, yeah, it's it's a challenge, as I said it's not the ideal draw, I mean, you're looking at that other side, and one of Napoli, Benfica Inter Milan or AC Milan will be in that Champions League final, granted Napoli having a phenomenal season, and they would no doubt be a very difficult match for Chelsea, as with Benfica, but it does almost, you know, there is a, a sense of frustration that maybe we could have been on that side of draw, but as I said, it said, is what it is, and at the end of the day, we'd have still had to play one of these sides if we got to the final of, you know, mm. on that side of draw, we still have to play them in the final to win it, so you will have to say so you do have to beat big teams to win this competition. And I guess, you know, we've now, you know, that goes, you know, to the back seat for a while. There was a sense that certainly for me after we beat British Dortmund, I was kind of, you know, just looking forward to that draw, seeing that we've got. We've got Real Madrid, you know, some some of that, that joy and excitement, optimism did, did slowly, you know, you know, Drede Amy is almost like a punch to the gut team, Real Madrid come out of the draw again. And obviously, you know, that first leg is on, is a year on exactly from that fateful second leg at the Bernabeu. Um But yeah, we'll wait and see, as I said, Champions League, Chelsea, you know, Chelsea will have to be at their best. They can't afford to make the errors like they did in the tie last year. They have to be, you know, pretty perfect. But we will just see. But now that, you know, goes to to sort of the back of mind, because the, the league is what we've got to focus on right now. And Rob Everton, this should have been a chance to make it four wins in a row for Chelsea. It was such an incredibly frustrating night. A frustrating <laughs> night because Chelsea, certainly for, you know, quite a large part of that game, also only felt, well, were, we're in control. They dominated possession. Everton never really seemed that much of a threat but I guess two just really soft goals to concede which had just been so frustrating given how in recent weeks we've you know been praising this Chelsea defence.
1: Yes but what I will say is that even in all that time you know the nature of the goals we've conceded there it's not as if we haven't seen similar goals already conceded this season. Um, It's individual errors and that's what is so frustrating this season There are so many goals that have been individual errors. If a team, you know, if a player takes it, goes around three players and bangs it in from 30 yards and it's individual quality, that's fine. But when you're conceding a goal from a set piece that was, you know, a ball deep to the back post, no one winning first contact and then second contact just being a shambles, that's poor. And as for that second goal, I mean, the old adage is don't let it bounce. Valley could have just took him out and took the red card. Um, might have made it difficult, but Everton, I think, would have pushed players forward. They would have started going long. I think Chelsea had the extra defender on by this point anyway, so they could have, you know, mitigated for that. Um, it, yeah, it, it was just one of those things where the, the nature of the goals conceded were so poor, and that's what's so frustrating for me. Like, if you concede quality goals, that's fine, but all of the goals we've conceded recently have been down to individual errors. I can't think of the last goal we've conceded, which isn't down to an individual error or, like, you know, a sort of individual piece of poor play.
0: Yeah, no, because you go back to Leicester last week, that's uh, Felix getting dispossessed. The last
1: one, I'll tell you, actually, the only one, Kane's second goal in the Tottenham game, was the only one that was decent play. That's fine, you know, at the end of the yeah. day that's was the
0: mat- was that from a corner or set piece, though so again, potential. Could you do that?
1: I think it was from a set piece, but again, like, you know, goals from set pieces that are preventable yeah. goals from set pieces are different to the goals we can see from set pieces.
0: That's very, very true.
1: Because Robert said that
0: first, you know, we started off quite lovely. I thought, you know, but again, talking about that first half, I thought it was almost similar to what we see in Chelsea A bright thirty minutes, but we were sort of unable to to really sustain it. And I think Everton did sort of regain some sort of control sort of back going back into the game. But then the second half we do take that lead early on and it's Joao Felix and you're thinking right hopefully this is the time for Chelsea to really kick on just before we go on a word on, on Joao Felix's goal it, it was a really nicely taken finish in a game where you know he probably didn't have many many moments but obviously the goal is is what he's you know needs to needs to provide to his team and you know after hitting the post and being offside side a few times and in the bar etc just mm-hmm. nice for him to to actually get get a goal
1: Yeah, not necessary to get a goal at the bridge. Again, Felix is one of those players that, like he's... uh, I described him as the most outstanding and also frustrating player because there's so much quality and so much talent. And at times, the end product just isn't there to, you know, for that level of talent. I'll be be brutally honest. I I think Felix is a phenomenal player. And I think he's the sort of player that should be thought about as being the best in the world in this position. And he's not at this moment in time because of his consistency. He is just you know for perennially being inconsistent and if he can ever get that consistency that is the next step in his career is he needs to show that consistency and until he can show that consistency i don't think he warrants the price tag that atlético madrid are going to ask for him
0: yeah because again i think even we saw in the first half he has a great opportunity to play Reese james in in you know in a position where we've seen Rhys James finish from before and he takes for shot and it is straight at Jordan Pickford but
1: Yeah no there was that one and also the Coleman one uh, there was good defending by Coleman but a top player should make that pass. If I'm being you know yeah. oh where well, we confident. have that really
0: nice move where Everton are uh, sort of yeah. attacking then we get it back into the end yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I get
1: uh, you all. yeah if we got that across to Pulisic there's no guarantee Pulisic would have finished it with the form he has been in but I would have much you know fancied him one on one against Pickford from that range, there was no Everson defender going to be getting back anywhere near him. Um And it was, yeah, it was, he, he did the right thing trying to get it across, but it was poorly poorly executed, I think is the phrase.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. That, that puts us one nil up. Uh, Rob, let's get into the first goal we concede. It's really poor, as you said, you know, just the set-p, it's corner just like, ugh, Chelsea, and, you know, and it's the type of, threat we're going to see posed by, by Everton and Sean Dyche. Obviously, in his first game in charge, they they scored a goal from a from a set piece and we know they're going to be big on them and going to be physical, but it was just really, really poor defending for it all, Rob, yeah. wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I refuse to believe that this week in the, you know, pre-game coverage when they were looking at this game, and thinking about it, they weren't saying, you know, Everton are going to look to try and dominate at the set pieces, look to do well. The first ball in, I thought, the first corner that came across should have been dealt with better. That never yeah. should have been allowed to be flicked on was flicked on, comes off Gallagher, goes for a second corner. The second one, when that comes to the back post, with all the hype we have in the side, there should be nowhere on earth they're getting first contact at the back post. You know, it's not there should be absolutely nowhere on earth they're getting the first contact. And then after that it you know, it's just poor in all honesty. Just so so poor. Um I if I'm being critical, I think Keppa should have, you know, I think a dominant keeper comes out and dominates that. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh in that regard. Um, Maybe someone should have cleared it in front of him, but it was poor. If you, I think, if you do come as he did, you've got to get the ball. Can't really blame. I think it was Enzo who tried to clear it on the line because at the end of the day,
0: I think it was Enzo or Kai. Was it Kai? I think might have been whoever
1: it was on the line. I mean, you know, they they tried their best. It wasn't as if they, you know, they got good contact on it. It's was moving at such a pace. It's hard to stop it. You know, going over the line. it wasn't as if it was uh, sort of, you know, poor defending in that regard. But, yeah, it just sort of, you know, just an immediate way to sort of let them back in. And what was so frustrating is it was so, again, they sort of said about it being the first corner of the game was the one, the initial ball that came across. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, we've done well to limit them to corners, but they're going to be a threat at them because of the size they had in there. And sure enough, you know, we just didn't defend it, just didn't yeah. defend it. And that's what's so poor for me. That's what's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. And, you know, before that, Ellis Sims equalise, which we're going to later, I was going to, you know, make the point that for the second week running, Chelsea sort of overcame a bit of, um, you know, trouble, you know, because yep. we very quickly went up the other end and got one a penalty. Reese James wins a penalty. Kai Avertz coolly converts for his third goal in free, you know, third consecutive, uh, third goal in, you know, three games. Mm. Um, and Rob, at that point, you're thinking, right, 2-1, Kai's done the job. This should be a, a fairly case of, very simple case of seeing this out, but, and it, to be fair for for a while period after it did kind of seem like that, but then just, as you kind of mentioned, a, a horrendous moment, you know, conceding about equaliser in the 89th minute.
1: It did seem like that. Although what I will say is that there was no point during that final 10 minutes where I felt we were completely comfortable. Oh yeah, we of course. the ball away very cheaply. Um I thought the substitutions, again, I, I, I was critical of them in my tweet. I thought they were poor. Um, I can understand why Fafana came off, because he was obviously struggling. You could see he had cramp, and he does appear to have strapping, so hopefully it's not too bad. I, w- I wonder if it will keep him out the French national team, which would be a shame for him. Um, but I can understand that one. I thought Chuck Limeca was the wrong decision. I thought they should have brought on Mudrich. Again, I would have liked to have seen Mudric come on a lot earlier, because I think he would have been very helpful on the counter-attack. Um, by that point, Felix was spent, so I can understand Felix coming off. I, uh, it was just such a frustrating, you know, such a frustrating for the future because you could see the gaps on the counter. And we had several chances on the counter that if we had played better passes or put better balls through, we could have had, you know, opportunities to get a chance to kill the game. I think we had a couple of them, you know, just went over. Gallagher had that run where he should have, you know, cut it back better and just, you know, poor decision-making from him. And in general, that sort of, I think, is the way you know, the way I typecast this match is so much poor decision making and you know it was typified almost by the by the goal to equalise because Koulibaly is an experienced defender. He knew what Ellis Sims was going to do, or should have known what Ellis Sims was going to do. Um it wasn't exactly rocket science. He had a chance to take him out. He didn't take him out as soon as that ball bounces, you didn't fancy him I, you know I said as soon as he bounced, he was done here. That was Valley done. That said, the effort's not a brilliant effort. Like if he, you know, brings it down and puts it into the top corner, fair enough. If he puts it far into the far corner, fair enough. This effort was straight at Kepper. And a top goalkeeper saves that. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been accused before of being hypercritical of goalkeepers, and I probably am. I hold them to very high expectations because we've seen very good goalkeepers at Chelsea. And I think this is just another example where I think Keppa's a good goalkeeper. I don't think he's a world-class goalkeeper. And the main thing you need to win a title and the main thing you need to win, you know, to win things on a consistent basis is you need world-class goalkeepers or goalkeepers that step up in the big moments and really perform in the big moments. And I, uh, you know, quite frankly, don't think we have that.
0: Yeah. And look, on Kepper, I kind of praise him after Dortmund because, you know, I think there's a stack circling around that he was the only keeper in both the Champions League and Premier League to have a safe percentage of over eighty percent, but Rob these two games. You know, we've kind of seen, but also what you gave Kepper said. Couldn't fault him. Be Dortmund. You know, he, he was great. He made the saves he needed to make. But against Leicester, you know, he was rash. You know, a couple of really poor punches could have led to Leicester goals. Yeah. And today, he's also very suspect. And I guess this is just the thing with Kepper. Well, no doubt there is maybe still. You know, he's performed a lot better. You know, than he has for us in the past. There is just never going to be. You're. I think you're always gonna, just going to struggle and fail to be convinced by him because these yeah. moments like these just happen far too often.
1: And one of the things I always love saying to people is that for a goalkeeper, you don't want a flashy goalkeeper. I don't want a Manuel Neuer zooming off his line and playing 40 yard passes. I don't want an Edison. I want a consistent goalkeeper. I just want someone that consistently performs a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 on a consistent basis. And that's where I think Edouard Mendy in the last couple of years before his drop of form was so impressive because you knew what you were going to get every single game and you knew what he was going to do. And, you know, you were sort of you weren't expecting flashy passes or anything like that. And I do think that, you know, to be honest, if he's fit off the international break, he may well, you know, warrant a chance. And may well warrant a chance again, because I think Kepa in these recent games has been poor. And to, to me, this is one of the big things that need to be resolved in the summer. I, I think if there is a world class goalkeeper on the market, you go out and get them.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I think that's That's fair enough, Rob. Let's get into the subs because it it is the talking point. Mm. I'm probably going to be less harsh on the subs than a lot of people. However, let's start with that first sub, 62nd minute. Christian Pulisic goes off for Conor Gallagher. That for me, and look, let's be clear, we have seen this sub made before. I think we saw a similar time against Leeds uh, and we saw a similar time against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, British Dorman, I think it was obviously Ralph Felix going off. Madness, and I can't remember who it was against Leeds, but we kind of seen that 60-minute sub with Conor Gallagher coming on sort of as a finisher, right? And this finisher role that he has done quite well. This sub has worked twice before. However, it did sort of feel at like this time, given how Everton had played this game with basically zero intention of attacking, at that point, it did sort of feel the time, this is the time to bring on Mikhailo Mudrik. He, especially after what we'd seen last week in that second half against Leicester, right? Mm. There was something for him to build on. And that's the, that's the sub, you know, out of all the subs that got made, today, that's probably the sub I am going to be critical of because I think that really was a missed opportunity, yeah. you know, because seven Definitely. minutes later, you know, Everton equalise, And then uh, and by sort of, by the time the late subs get made, almost, almost the time for Madrid to really have much of an effect that's gone. That is for me is the first, that is the, the one sub I'm really, really critical of because I think you've got an opportunity against a shrugging Everton side and Everton side that don't score a huge amount of goals to go and kill that game off. Because as we mentioned, Everton will get a chance from a set piece. There was always a fear that you know there would be an opportunity. And look, granted, Chelsea scored two goals. They should not, you know, need to score more goals to win this game today than they have. And as we mentioned, yep. you know, that's down to poor, poor defending from the set pieces, etc. But I do think there, and we'll get on to rest of in a minute. But I do think there, without a doubt, I think I do think that was a wrong substitution to make, despite the fact it worked before, because it was Everton, a struggling Everton. Chelsea had actually played quite well today. You know, they got their backs, you know, backs going again. The second half started pretty well for Chelsea. Pressure was taken, and you know, Pulisic. <laughs> has a, has a, for afterwards, obviously, you know, after the first goal, obviously it is offside by, yeah. by a bit, but there was a sense that Chelsea was sort of, you know, getting something together and could, could run away. With it. And that did sort of seem to just stall the momentum really, but we had building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, a, I think it was the wrong time to make the sub. I, I don't think it was the right sub to make. Um, I said on my Twitter that if it was still nil-nil, I would have considered making Gallagher and Mudric on around the fifth to 60th minute. With the fact we took the lead, it should have been Modric. It should have been the attacking option. I What really concerned me, and I think this is you know something that someone else echoed to me, is that Sean Dyche was expecting it and was expecting Gallagher to come on. And you saw it because the way Everton slightly changed the way their midfield was working. And they dropped, I think it was Garner, back slightly. And they just put him into that space and it nullified Gallagher's ability to pick the ball up. It nullified his ability to run with it. And yeah, it just felt like that was a, you know... A very strange sub. Um, I, yeah, I, I think Madrid should have been seen. And I, I understand the bits they talk about you know, wanting to blood him and things, but I think after he got that assist last week, he obviously yeah. looked really quite, I think, promising um, when he was playing in that left-hand side role, which is where he would have come on. I think you would have also left the challenge to Everton of, do you twist and do you keep Seamus Coleman on, knowing he doesn't have the legs? And uh, yeah, I think you know we made it easy for them from a tactical point of view.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and that is the sub I am going to be be critical of. Obviously, the subs have come after eighty first minute, Mateo Kovacic goes off, for Ruben Loftus Cheek. At this time, Chelsea have reached, you know, they yeah, they have conceded, and then they have restored their lead. They're yeah. two one up at this point, and as you know, with Kovacic, we know you've got to be managing him carefully. There, I mean, Rob, realistically, the only option there given given there, and if we'd say gone with our ideal situation, of Mudrik be coming, then the options you would say there are Conor Gallagher, Ruben Loftus Cheek, or Angolo Kante. Ruben Loftus Cheek is the one honest. that comes on. Okay, I will no. Be
1: my thought here is that Cantor should have come on, and Fair for enough. a couple of reasons. Number one, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he's fit enough to play. I don't like when people say about people being on the bench and you hear the manager off and say, oh, you know, we had them on the bench, but they weren't fit enough. If you're on the bench, you're fit enough to play, and if you're not on, fit enough to play, you shouldn't be on the bench, period. Secondly, I think Cantor coming on would have given a massive lift to the stadium. I think the stadium was going flat at this point. Um, I think the atmosphere, you know, notably worsened in these last few minutes after the goal. Um, and it would have given everyone a lift, I think, just to see Kante on there. It also would have been some leadership in that midfield um, and some experience in there. And I think also from another point of view, Everton would have looked at it and seen bloody El Kante's coming on. It's going to be even harder for us to play through. We're going to have to play longer now. And I think we were doing better playing against the long ball. Um, And we were, you know, they were overcooking it and it was going through to Kepa. The time we let them get the ball down and like pick a pass and pick a more concise pass-through was the time they scored.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Look, as I said, I didn't have much of an issue with Kante not being born. I do kind of, you know, as I do obviously acknowledge your point that he was swan bench. I do obviously, you know, this is a while, but I remember there was a time we played Spurs just before sort of a pandemic start. Ruben Loftus-Cheek was named on the bench by Frank Lampard mm-hmm. for that game. And I think Frank's reasoning was to sort of just make him feel part of the squad again. And obviously, you know, that's, that was Frank's reasoning. I'm not saying this was poor reasoning. I do not know what was reasoning. And we said, you know, and Kante was obviously in the squad. Just you know, giving a set brief one, but I think, you know that's an example of a manager in the past. Just you know, having someone to, to sort of be involved in the squad again. But yeah, Ruben comes on for him. I didn't have a huge issue with that because I still think Ruben, Mister versatile, can can do a job there. But obviously, yeah, take come on. Who knows? Maybe if there was maybe more on the line, potentially, and I realise this is maybe not the best way saying it. Then maybe Can'te comes on. At the end of the day, Chelsea, the top four is probably gone. I. I'm not going to be as stressful on that as I might have been at a different point in the season, but I do firmly acknowledge that Angola can't definitely could come on there. And then the last two subs are, uh, are Carney on for, on for Joao Felix and Trevor on for Wes. As Rob, as we mentioned, there's no issue with Trevor on for Wes because that's like for like Wes, you know, he'd gone down with cramp earlier as well. Yeah, he, he, clearly, was, he clearly was yeah.
1: struggling. Like, I can understand that one. That's fine. And then
0: obviously, Carney for Joao is, is an interesting there one. And obviously, you know, there's a question there. Obviously, at that point, Kante is still on bench. Could Canter maybe come on then? instead of Carney, if we're going to delay it as yeah. much as possible. Maybe that's an option. I'm going to be brutally honest. I do not have an issue with Nani Maduweki or Mikhailo Madrid not coming on then because there's 86 minutes and there's, I don't really, at this point, again, I don't think Chelsea are really going to, it's later on in the game, right? I just think we're just at that point. We are literally just trying to see that. And there's not really as much attacking intention there, albeit both on pitch, maybe I, I some, say... but I'm not going to be that critical of Madrik or Maduweki not coming on for Felix at that point in the game.
1: I will say again with Mudrić, the thing you bring him on—he's got that lightning quick pace. It would have meant that if Everton were pushing players forward, they would have known we we're going to concede on the break. Like that's what I think—we're not using Mudrić effectively at the moment in general, and I've said this to a couple of people. Um, I, I think you know we're not—we we're trying to play him like we play our other wingers, and it's not working. And yeah. we need to—we need to not do that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, that, and that's... Subs, and obviously, we can see up in the to up in a goal. And we've been over it. Rob, it's just really frustrating because Chelsea... Look, I don't think Chelsea played as well as they had in, you know, recent weeks. But they still played, you know, quite well. They still dominated the game, albeit a game you would expect Chelsea oh, to I'll dominate. I
1: would say we're in danger here of sounding a bit like what Mark Skinner did against the um, Manchester United oh. at Chelsea women last week. They had a lot of possession...
0: But we didn't do enough with it. Game, but
1: can no, you remember how many no, saves no, you remember Pickford properly making?
0: No, made? no that, that is true. I do think we probably did not test Jordan Pickford enough in that game, without a doubt. And I don't remember having to make any outstanding saves. No, no, I agree. that I think I'm just saying, Joe, I felt like still fairly, you know, given where Chelsea are right now, I still felt in a fairly comfortable-ish control set. I was obviously just nervy, you know, as the team combined, because I'm just aware that this Chelsea side is not the Chelsea side of old. And maybe not uh, you're not as comfortable holding on to these. And as we you know mentioned, Chelsea have already dropped a lot of points uh from winning positions this season, you know, 13 points dropped from, from winning positions this season, which which says says a lot it, it there.
1: Say, it says a lot about the mentality. Yeah. Like, and I've sort of said this, like teams that win titles and win things are the teams that keep going until the very end. And they, you know, I, I will give credit to Arsenal here. This season, Arsenal have picked up, I think, who scored the most goals in the final five minutes of any side. It might be them and Manchester United, I think, as the joint two.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's...
1: We don't... And the contrast, I think we've conceded the most goals.
0: Yeah. In no. the,
1: you know, after the 80th minute.
0: No. It's, it's, it's...
1: a question of mentality.
0: Yeah. No, and look, obviously, I think, you know, back to early in the season, that game against Spurs under Tuchel, that game against Manchester United under Graham Potter. There have been, yeah, instances where... Where it's been put... And it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating, and Rob... I guess the bigger point, there was, you know, starting to be sort of a bit of a feel-good factor, you know, after a pretty miserable mm. period, point out, there was a bit of a feel-good factor building, you know, we won three in a row, we got to the Champions League quarterfinals against Leicester, we played some pretty good stuff, and we just now also, this is the last game before an international break, so it's going to linger for a bit, it's not yeah. like we've got an opportunity to put it right, this is going to linger for, for the next couple of weeks, and that obviously is frustrating, it just leaves us just in a slightly, you know, pretty... I guess miserable, miserable move because it's obviously Aston Villa next after the international break, aside, we are level on points with. We obviously, you know, missed the chance to go, I don't know it's not much, but we missed the chance to go ninth today above Fulham, you know, after we conceded that late goal. And I guess it is just, you know, one of those, I know I've said before, on pod, I'm not that fussed about European football next season, but the opportunity for European football will slowly ebb away if we have results like this. And I guess to, you know, me, Rob-
1: to me, the opportunity for European football is gone now. And as a result of that, there should be absolutely no qualms and no concern about playing the younger players, playing the players that we be here next year. And as I said to someone else, if Graham Potter wants to prove it, you know, wants to prove that he can be the person for the long term, what he does now is he says, I'm not going to have XYZ here next year. I'm going to stop playing XYZ. And if he thinks, you know, if he's, if he's so sure he has the backing of the owners and he's not going to, you know, get sacked, which is what it sounds like, then there is absolutely, utterly no reason... You can't go ahead and say to players, you know, you're not in my plans that shit. I'm not using you in general, whoever it is, whichever player it is. And that is also, you know, if he was blooding the young players, I'd have more, you know, realistically, we can put all the eggs in the Champions League basket. That's fine by me. Put all the eggs in the Champions League basket now. And if you, you know, from there, treat them as the priority, keep your big players for those games. And instead of that, you know, in the meantime, focus on the fact that you can give some of the young players a chance and you know the likes of uh charlie webster dion rankin who may or may not be good enough we don't know at the moment Fofana, give them the minutes because i don't think that you you know i don't think there are players there are many players in the squad that are guaranteed to be here next year i don't think there's many people certainly i would look at and say yeah they're you know stonewall gonna be here next year um that there's a lot of, you know, unrest and uncertainty. People, I think, that either don't want to be here or players the manager doesn't want. And to me, if he yeah, if he is convinced he has this backing, then he shouldn't be afraid to make these choices.
0: Yeah, obviously, I think, you know, going forward, we're starting to see, you know, sort of that, that full Reese James, Enzo Fernandes, Mateo Kovacic, Bencho. Obviously, Mateo Kovacic's future is up in the air. That is at least something, you know, that sort of seems... A bit self take Obviously, Rob, you know, Mark Cucrello drops out for Benoit and That much of a big deal for you, you know, or not really, given that, you know, Cucrello had been out the side, then he come back in uh, and I, then I, sort I of think, dropped out today.
1: I think this was probably a smart thing. I think it was due to the fact that Everton are at all sides. Yeah. And 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 Badia, Badia Shile, Shile offers that wrong. height, yeah. And Badia Shile adds that height. I've got no problem with that selection. Yeah, I think that was no, the right. Fair
0: enough. Fair enough. And obviously, again. that front three, you know, Kai Avis and Joao Felix, they seem to be the two we're going to see up there, and obviously, you know, Sterling is out injured. Um, Obviously, he an is injured. Christian his first start for for two and a half months. Maybe again, Potter felt he would be more suited to to sort of you know play against the low block again. I didn't have huge qualms with that, but yeah, I think I guess Rob just for general frustration is there was just so much. There was a you know felt it said a lot of post- things to be positive about. It just feels like the 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 sort of momentum that we've got has just been you know absolutely yeah. just poked a pin in it, and it just oh, feels 100%. like. We 100%. just need we need, we just need Aston Villa sort of to come now. We you know this international break is gonna drag, it's gonna be quite a long two weeks. And then we sort of just need Aston Villa to come and hopefully we can see a performance because we've got, you know, a big, big few big time before before that Real Madrid game, you know, three games now before that Real Madrid game, Aston Villa at home, Liverpool home, and Wolves away. And I mean, you know, those won't be easy games, but Chelsea probably realistically need what, seven points from those three to be, you I know, really- going into a good space, you know, going into Real Madrid.
1: Yeah, as a minimum.
0: Yeah. But, yeah
1: I think looking at those names, you... that Liverpool aren't the same side this year. Wolves, obviously, have been poor at home. And I think Aston Villa, we obviously beat them early in the season. I think they will be the one that, you know, will be hardest to deal with. They will play, I think, in a similar way to how other sides have played when they try to be quite expansive against us, which I think will work better. I don't think they'll come and play below low block, but I will say that I do think, from my perspective, what is what is most frustrating is the missed opportunity that is today. Obviously, Brentford dropping more points again. Yeah, um, you know, Tottenham dropping points. This was a real chance to make up ground on those two, at least. And it, yeah, it feels like one step forward, you know, two steps back, and that's what is so. So demoralizing and deflating about this,
0: yeah, yeah. And look, you know, there's no way to, you know, obviously, you know, it basically all the teams have a bomb this weekend. You know, quite a lot of them got results. Leeds obviously got that win today. Everton got a point, um, Leicester got a point, Southampton got a point, you know. So it is, it has been a bit of a weird weekend results wise, but that's not really an excuse to justify what happened now. they like, it was just, and I'm, um, you know, danger of rounding on too much, will probably shorten soon, but it's just really frustrating. I said the field good factor performance is good. And even if we look, and it, even if we won, you know, held on and we won two one, we would not been jumping for joy of this result, but you know, of this performance, because you know, it is Everton at home in this game. Chelsea should be winning. But it would just be one of those to sort of just, you know, keep going, you know, just tick tick one off, just kind of try and keep that momentum going. But we just you said we go in, you know, to the international break in, in a sour mood, and it's just one of those one of those missed opportunities. Because as I said, you know, the teams, you know, if we won today we would have only been two points off Liverpool in sixth. And I know Brighton seventh have got, you know, two games in hand on us and a four points clear, but it would just be one of those, like it wouldn't seem
1: that,
0: it wouldn't seem that distant, but now it just does feel distant, especially when you factor in, we've still got to play Arsenal away, Manchester United away, Manchester City away, in the Premier League sort of at the back end of the season and this just opportunity to just build momentum, build confidence, just seize things, it's just been put to a halt and I guess the simple thing is we've just got to get back on the horse immediately and then just try and put a put another sort of mini run together.
1: Yeah, the only positive thing I can say about today is we're not going to get relegated this season. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know, I'm now safe from relegation and again, that partly, again, my tongue-in-cheek there, that partly comes into what I said, we should now just, you know, for me, it's our case to start blooding those other players. Play them in the league. If you're not going to get European football, that's fine for one year. If you're missing out, though, you'll still be able to get players in in the summer. You'll be able to sign the players. This is where the quality scouting is meant to come in and you're meant to go and find the names that, you know, are the players that will still come in and will, you know, be available um, because they will be, you know, out there and it is a case of going to find them. Um, but yeah, I you know, I think it The whole thing is just a bitterly disappointing result. No no way about, no way really to dress it up. It is, you know, with the side that we put out there, with the calibre of the players we had out there, we should have been able to beat an Everton side that are scrapping for their lives. I do admit that. You know, they have improved under Sean Dyche, but they were big, they were physical. They played for set pieces and they took a couple of chances when they came their way. And it wasn't as if, you know, they had... What annoys me is they didn't have to work for that result. Yeah, I don't think they had to no, work hard for it. If it, you know, if it had been an absolutely stellar goalkeeping performance in Pickford, and you know, you'd just say, well, Pickford made you know three or four world class saves, and you've got to hold your hands up. Or they'd scored, you know, some goals of supreme quality, and you've got to say, well, they have that ability in their locker. I would be more, you know, I would be you know less concerned. But the fact of the matter is, they have scored a very poor set piece. And a very poor late goal that literally was just punted out of the park and see if they can win first contact and see if you know you can get lucky and the keeper can bollock up.
0: Yeah, and it meant Chelsea missed the opportunity to do their first league double over Everton since the sixteen seventeen season. Uh, yeah. you know, that that's that is largely affected due to our inability to win a good some part. But Rob, that's the second, was I guess what also hurts as well is. This is the second year running we've dropped points to a really poor Everton side. You think back to the game last season as well, and I think last season was a bit different to this game. Is that Pickford was fairly busy in that game from yeah. memory, but it's just still really frustrating. And again, that game last year that was a goal conceded from a set piece, just really, really poor. You know, yeah. but it, it just it irks because also we've seen this before against Everton, and then what, as what, we mentioned, what, they're not great.
1: Not just Everton against all sides at the bottom yeah. of the league. When is the last time we've come into a game, and I said this a few weeks ago, against a team at the bottom of the league and we've actually played it and we've played it as if, you know, we've been giving them respect and we've played it properly. I can't think of the last time we played one of those. Yeah. Against a team at the bottom of the league like that. Every time. It is a mentality issue. I don't know what it is. I think it, you know, is kind of endemic. I'm not sure, you know, where it's come from. Whether it is a lack of leadership on the pitch, a lack of you know, vocal players, potential arrogance. I am not sure. But whatever it is, it needs sort out. Because until that's fixed, we're never gonna win a title.
0: Yeah, and we're I mean I said it's, I said it was quite, you know, I first said on before I was more nervous for that Leeds League game before, than I was the Dortmund Champions League game. And I think that that is very telling yeah. in itself. The Dortmund are far superior opposition to the teams we faced, you know, recently. And yet that was a game we have the most confidence for. It's which, it, yeah, just is in, in you know, sums up the, the situation we're in. Nasfield, yeah, point. It's just frustrating because you know, Chelsea, the worst Chelsea going to finish this season is 11th. They're 10th. Aston Villa are behind us on, on 38 points in 11th, but then there's a, an 11 point gap to, to 12th place. So, really, there is not much run. There's just you know, just got to hope Chelsea. Obviously, we want to end season strong because I think it is important how you end a season going into the following season. Mentioned it before, I think last season we ended poorly and it sort of went into to this season a bit. But yeah, you know, in the day without, you know, repeating ourselves too much, just a real missed opportunity tonight, a real missed opportunity to, to again, just go into the international break, just feeling good about ourselves, to have momentum with us and to be looking forward and and excited and encouraged, because again, that's sort of just like, oh, right, yeah, no, the, the old, that Chelsea that we were seeing weeks before, that really hasn't gone away. That it very much is still prevalent. That very still is there. That corner that we thought has turned is maybe not really that corner turn just yet it is just a sense of right a very result that has just probably grounded us quite a lot not that i think people no. should have been getting carried away by what they've seen recently anyway but yeah it's just a very very frustrating result say so no listener questions this week because we literally recorded 20 30 minutes house full-time tomorrow is mother's day so that obviously is also a fairly fairly important day here in the uk i don't know if it is what elsewhere worldwide but obviously that's why we're recording uh saturday evening as well um rob before you go give yourself one last plug where people can find you in all on your church station or your work
1: yeah, so again at RJP Journalism on Twitter, at the Chelsea Social on Twitter, and uh, at a Fball for any of the women's football content that we we'll be doing.
0: Nice one. Links to that will be in the description below. As for us on Twitter, our Virtuous Podcast on Instagram, our just Podcast on all your usual podcast providers, Apple, Spotify, etc. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a rating review. It goes a long way. Whenever I put out any likes, retweets, shares, get it onto other people's timelines. At the end of the day, we are just Chelsea fans talking about the one club. But we love and look, it was a very frustrating result this weekend. We go away, international break, just get away from it, enjoy our interest. And then we're back for Aston Villa. Looking forward to, you know, as we get really approached for business end of the season and a potential exciting end of the season for Chelsea. But it's up to those players and management to to make it exciting and enjoyable for us. But until the next episode, everybody, keep a blue flag flying.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.